0: everybody. This is David Breer, and welcome to FinTech Insider. Today is going to be a little bit different from the usual. A few weeks ago, I had an amazing conversation with Charlie Marr on our YouTube show, Spotlight, and I really wanted you guys to hear it. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy the show. Temenos is the world's leader in banking software, helping over 3,000 banks serve over 1.2 billion people. Our purpose is to make banking better. Together with our community, we make banks more successful, individuals better banked, and society better served. With our software, banks can create more human, differentiated digital experiences, hyper-efficient business models to benefit the bank and their customers, and simplify and transform their back office. Our clients are the highest performing banks with cost-income ratios which are twice better than the industry average. Learn more at temenos.com. Hello and welcome to 11FS Spotlight. My name is David Greer. In this weekly show, we shine a bit of a spotlight on the best and the brightest in the tech and the financial services industry to try and understand what is it that gets them going, growing, and what they really think the future of the industry will look like. On today's show, uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Charlie Ma, who is the GM of FinTech at Alloy. How are you doing, Charlie? Thank you very much for uh, joining us. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Very good, very good. Um, We're going to be talking a little bit about your background, your career and and what it's like actually supporting early stage companies through angel investing, as you've done as well. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit more about your role at Alloy? It's uh, a particularly interesting one.
1: Yeah, so a quick high level picture on, on Alloy. Uh, we provide an identity decisioning platform that enables financial institutions of all, of all shapes and sizes uh, to easily connect into all the different data sources they could poss- possibly care about for the purposes of streamlining kind of onboarding and meeting KYC requirements for transaction monitoring and, and much more. Um, and so as my role as human fintech. I joined earlier this year um, and so responsible for uh, defining and executing our strategy for growing our fintech business, particularly kind of focused on, on tech forward companies that are using our platform and, and doing whatever I can across to go to
0: market and product to
1: expand that business.
0: Mm. Uh, that's fascinating because like you say the the bar for good onboarding within financial services and more broadly really has been reset, hasn't it? And as you say, there's there's sort of two ends of that spectrum. It's uh you know no longer do, do customers expect to go and fill some forms in and go into a branch and you know yeah. that just doesn't cut it anymore, does it? So uh and you guys are really at the forefront of of that change in terms of you know really making it easy. You know, minutes of onboarding is is kind of where the expectations is, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's, the average consumer expects I think everything to be real time now, and and doing being able to offer that. Within financial services, I think is is uniquely challenging, and, and that's something that you know, we work with a ton of our clients around.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's uh, it's no longer making an application; it's downloading an app, isn't it? It's, uh, it's that, and that's really uh, people's onboarding for things. And we'll unpick that a little bit more in a in a second. And and obviously, identity in itself sort of breeds almost an hour's worth of conversation. I think just in in that sense. But maybe if we stick with you with you for a little bit, what what sort of Brought you to this point today. I mean, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about about your experiences. Did you expect to be working in financial services at this stage? Uh, I did not. I, uh, I I sort of stumbled my way
1: into financial services and into fintech. Yeah, if, you, if you asked me when I was in college that uh, I'd be working and spending, uh, you know, a significant portion of my life trying to help solve KYC, I, I don't think that would have been on the top of my list. Um, but kind of what I, how I ended up kind of here was. I grew up in the Bay Area, um, but uh, long story short, in, in college, I thought I wanted to go and get a PhD in biophysics. I, I did, as uh, it's obvious, I, I did not pursue that path, but I, I, my junior year, I realized that, okay, great, I need to figure out how to get a business role. Uh, so I, I was lucky enough to to get an internship, I begged my way off a wait list, actually, for an offer to J.P. Morgan uh, within uh, their transaction banking division. So The internship was actually not the most exciting internship in the world, um, but was actually extremely eye-opening of just kind of how much uh, of a need for for new technology within our transaction banking products was was kind of necessary. Uh, And so ended up getting this kind of weird interest in payments coming out from college, ended up going back to JP Morgan Post College, uh, spent a few years doing a variety of product and strategy roles, focused uh, on payments, then ended up joining uh, Plaid as kind of my first real startup experience in 2015. And then kind of since then, I've, I've stayed in the fintech industry ever since.
0: That's really interesting. And, and you know, Plaid's in 2015, that's not a, a, a bad company to to join to to grow so dramatically with, the uh, as Plaid sort of grows as well. But it's fascinating that you've seen, I mean, you've seen both sides of the industry, right? You've seen the incumbents with JP and everything that, that, that comes with that. And uh, and fintech. I mean, how how different do you see both sides of the 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 fence essentially? And I mean, do, do you? Um, I was a banker for six years. I've got a lot <laughs> of empathy for banks and people in banks about how hard it is really to make the scale of change happen. So yeah. uh, you must see a lot of that as well.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I feel as though the 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 naive fintech response is always, oh, these banks don't want to create you know digital first experiences and. They don't know how to build, you know, best-in-class products, and uh, you know, that's something that's not interested in them. And I think I think that'd be farthest from the truth, right? I think when you when you go in and, and talk with uh, execs within these financial institutions, particularly the larger ones, that is something that is top of mind, and that they want to offer best-in-class products. But uh, I, I think the thing that I realized, kind of being at J. E. Morgan, is that it, it is sort of the culmination of, of hundreds of hundreds of years of mergers and acquisitions and you sort of bolted on all of these different pieces of technology uh, and the amount of, of technical debt is, is actually kind of astonishing to, to, to watch internally uh, and being able to kind of navigate through that, being able to change processes, being able to kind of completely turn around how how, way the, how things are built and the way things are done, and even what technologies are being used in the bank is uh, extremely difficult. But I, I, I do think that a lot of the banks nowadays are, are definitely waking up and, and starting to figure out how to move uh, a lot faster.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That's the that's the lesson we hope the industry is almost sort of learning. We talk a lot about it. It's not just what you do; it's the way that you do it, and the way that organisations are structured when they're you know really embracing digital, really embracing an agile working, and supported by technology that can actually allow them to work in that way. It's it just feels different, doesn't it? I I sort of uh, Jokingly, albeit slightly in a PTSD type of way, uh, joke. It's like ninety percent of my life in a big bank was convincing people what to do, and only ten percent of it was doing it. Whereas actually, in a startup, it's the other way around, isn't it? Which is, um, you know, a gift and a curse. So, I mean, with Plaid, obviously, you will have seen very different uh, scale of, of growth there as well. You know, as the company grows different things work and different things stop working. And we've definitely found that 11FS. I think we've uh, broken every process we've ever put in place because yeah. of growth. Uh, but that must have been an amazing journey as well. No,
1: super, super lucky. Yeah. No, I, I think that it's funny. I think when, when I was in JP Morgan, one of the teams that I was on, we, we, we thought of ourselves as a, a kind of a mini startup within JP Morgan. And then uh, I joined an actual startup and I was like, it's it's a completely different ballgame, right? It turns mm-hmm. out when uh, hey, if you need to figure out how to get revenue for the company to actually survive, it's a very different incentive and driver to to how how quickly you can move and build, and a lot less deck building, I would say, with 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 Cloud versus uh, working at a bank.
0: Yeah, yeah, imminent bankruptcy. Uh, it focuses the mind somewhat, doesn't it? I have to say, but uh, that's the, uh, the the life of an entrepreneur. I mean, some something else that you've done, you've. Uh, done a lot of work. I mean, I've read some really great things that you've put out. You you write for FinTech Today with uh, Ian and the the, the did, team yeah. over over there. Um, I mean, documenting those things that you've seen and the experiences that you've seen. I mean, the thing that really sort of shines through, I think, with the things that I've read on FinTech that you've, you've done, you're just really passionate about the industry. You seem uh, almost um, fascinated by all of the change that's happening. And, and I really relate to that. It's, uh, it's an amazing period of time to be working in the industry, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, I've gotten really, really, really lucky to uh, be able to have a, a kind of firsthand seat and seeing kind of all the changes that just even have happened in last even the last two years, I think, has been pretty crazy. I think I most recently wrote uh, a, a recap of what happened in twenty twenty one, and it ended up being like I think it was like six seven pages, and I was like, okay, I need to cut this down. Like, way too much stuff has happened just the past half year, um, and, and there's there's still so much stuff that's happening now. That it's hard to keep up.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, and it's it's no longer just big announcements around big raises. It's uh, you know uh, significant changes, isn't it? You know, we we talk about the fabric changing. It's fabric-changing times. It's it's just amazing. Uh, I mean, another thing that you you've spent a lot of time um, doing is is helping other people as well. I mean, you've done a lot to uh, support early-stage companies both through advice uh, and actually, I guess, guidance with the the material you put together, but also from an investing perspective. T- tell us a little bit about that. I mean, how uh, how has that sort of changed the dynamic, or even how you you think about those things? Because there's a lot of different talk about, you know, do you invest in the the founders? Do you invest in the idea? Uh, yeah. How have you found the the right mix to to sort of know how to help people, but also what good looks like?
1: Yeah, I think I, I have a I think a particular sort of angle and lens as to to why I decided to kind of go into angel investing. Um, and so my, my whole thesis and and rationale around it was historically I really enjoyed I think joining startups in, in the kind of earliest stages as a as an early business hire at those companies. Uh, but I, I actually sort of think that it's a bit of a ridiculous statement to say that I can pick a company better than the best funds can, right? When when I'm joining a company as an employee, I have a portfolio size of one. And I, you know, for that company from a kind of upside perspective to work out, it has to grow rapidly and become successful and exit. And I was like the best VCs in the world, right? That they have a portfolio, they have an entire team looking at companies, they see the best founders and they just need maybe one out of 10 to work, right? it, It is sort of a game of, of uh, home runs not 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 base hits. Uh, and so my thesis on angel investing was a way to try and get some more inside information in companies and spaces and founders that I'm particularly interested in. So my my lens then tends to be very, very specific. It's it's basically companies uh, and founders that I, I potentially want would want to work for uh, at some point in, in my career potentially. Uh, and so I tend to just invest in B2B fintech, fintech infrastructure, things that I I think rock pretty quickly, uh, but I also am uh, just particularly interested in that. I also do also think have a a skill set that is useful or relevant to those founders or those teams in the earliest stages. And so I think yeah, whether it's like founders or markets or products, it's I I, I sort of describe it. I'm usually fifty one percent market, forty nine percent founder, where I do generally care about the market that you know the, that they're trying to to attack and how they're thinking about it and is there an earned secret into that market. But then I also do care very much around the founder and uh, or the founders and and why they're building this company, why they want to spend the next, you know, potentially five, ten years of their life consumed by by building. Uh, this entity, uh, and I think those combinations of things are really important.
0: Yeah, I mean they've got to they've got to have that obsession, haven't they, to uh, to drive those things. I mean you you've got a, a pretty incredible portfolio, as you say the Yeah, I do like the the metaphor that you're using around spread betting. You know, it's a uh, it is a a sensible approach if you're you're uh, you're not betting everything on uh, on black, as it were. You're you're finding lots of things to sort of de-risk that investment approach. But talk a little bit about some of the the companies that you you've worked with.
1: Yeah, I think that. Uh, the, the one that, that I was catching up recently—it's actually a little bit outside fintech, although there's a lot of fintech adjacent things. This company called Stitch. The the, the founders were were ex Plaid, which is how, you know, how I got connected and got to know them, and, and, and was really admired for their work. And, and I think there, there there are a couple of people that I told them, you know, whenever they left the Plaid and decided to go work on their own things, like I will write a check for whatever they work on. Uh, And so what they ended up building is a developer-first platform for passwordless authentication, so enabling uh, companies of all shapes and sizes to more easily uh, offer passwordless authentication experiences via sort of an API-first strategy. And a lot of the work uh, and a lot of the companies actually built upon uh, a lot of the kind of R&D and work that they built uh, while at Platt. Which is a, a kind of a great story there as to why they're building the company and the market that they're attacking.
0: Yeah, and like you say, there's there's a thousand different slices of different problems to attack, isn't there? So there's going to be just an amazing amount of uh, of opportunities in there. I mean, have you made any any investments yet? That you'd regret, or uh, is that probably too uh, too uh, too difficult a subject matter to, to talk about?
1: <laughs> nothing, nothing that I regret. I think that um, I because of the leads I go in on, right? I, I think that. I'm not really in 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 angel investing to make money or to make make capital, right? it's It's really more of a way to to get inside information and to get optionality. and uh, for me, doubling down is me joining a, a company, right? So if anything, my most concentrated bet is really currently alloy where I currently work at, and at some point it might be another one of these companies if uh, you know, Ali moves on to other greater things. And so nothing that I regret so far whatsoever. Uh, none of the founders have stolen my money. I think everyone's, uh, you know, I've just tried to build something as best they can and that's all I can ask for I think
0: it's interesting isn't it to to stick with that um you know spread betting metaphor i mean bizarrely it's like betting on the boxing but you can influence the outcome right because obviously with your experience with your advice and and actually as you say with with really helping these organizations both um either through connectivity or strategically then actually you can sort of influence the outcome to a certain degree can't you i mean th- and this is one of the reasons i think people who have got great connectivity, people who have got great experiences, both particularly both sides of the fence. Uh, and I think the the B2B fintech space, particularly because of the, the relevance, not only to, to small players from a scaling perspective, but when you start talking about organizations that can help solve, you know, multi-billion pound problems for single organizations, then uh, the scale potential at this stage is, is really exciting, isn't it? Everybody's so fixated on, B two C fintech, but the really exciting stuff. I I completely agree. I think it's B two B. It's uh, it's where all of the big problems are, isn't it?
1: Yeah. No. I I think that for for me, I've always sort of viewed B two C and B two C products and platforms as as kind of any, anyone any, any sort of growth around that to be somewhat magical. I I don't know how how those companies grow and the features that they unlock. And I think I look at Snapchat half the time, and I'm like, I have no clue. Like, I would not have been able to come up with anything close to to these type of consumer experiences, um, whereas I, I think I tend to be very, very practical. And, and B2B, I think there's a lot of kind of practical problems, right? If you're solving a true hair on fire problem for you know a, a large segment of, of business customers, and, and you're able to make that solution uh, extremely simple and, and seamless, uh, there is money to be made uh, in those businesses, and, and it's almost, to me, more straightforward, perhaps. <music>
0: There is a better way to hire internationally, and it starts with Deal. Everything from contract creation, record-keeping, payments, and full-time employment is all in one place for teams all over the world. Companies anywhere can hire compliantly everywhere thanks to Deal. It's payroll and compliance built for today's worldwide workforce. To learn more, visit Let's Deal forward slash 11FS. That's Let's Deal, D E E L. .com forward slash 11FS and redeem an exclusive offer of three months free when you hire a contractor and 20% for your first year when you hire an employee. Fintech Meetup is the world's largest fintech meeting event. We're facilitating more than 30,000 meetings for 4,000 participants. It takes place online March 8th to the 10th, 2022. Join startups, established fintechs, investors, banks and credit unions, media analysts, and much, much more as they come together for partnership discussions, vendor presentations, investment pitches, and other meaningful collaborations. For more information and to get your ticket, go to www.fintechmeetup.com. We've got, uh, what, 15 minutes in, and we haven't mentioned the pandemic yet, so I'm uh, I'm quite surprised. But, you know, during this period with uh, everything that's been happening with COVID, how have you seen that market shift? Because obviously, uh, I guess, businesses have need to almost hold their breath a little bit longer when it comes to profitability or uh, revenue generation or actually very dramatic changes in customer behavior that we've seen during this period as well for for all of the right reasons. So yeah. uh, I, I guess your, um, your advice to people has been a little bit different during this period than it would have been uh, in slightly sort of uh, calmer seas.
1: Yeah, I think it depends on the stage of, uh, of the company, right? I think that I'm usually investing in in pre-seed or seed so at the sort of earliest stages as possible. And mm-hmm. for those companies, uh, I think in regards to uh, like the 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 key is getting to product market fit or signals of product market fit, uh, fit as quickly as possible, right? And so you know, it, it's not conserve capital and and preserve runway necessarily. I think that's stuff is important to keep in mind. But a lot of it is, hey, how do you move faster? What well, if it is uh, hiring more people to be able to build faster because there's something that you need to be chasing in the market to get to that next milestone. Be mindful of you know the runway that that you have and what the kind of conditions are externally. Um, but I, I think the other thing that we've also seen during the pandemic, I would say like a few months into the pandemic, I think there was initially a lot of concern around you know investor funding drying up, and uh, there was a lot of kind of more focus on portfolio support and and making sure that existing portfolio companies were going to be okay reserving capital there. But then I think as we obviously, see, especially within fintech, that the pandemic has been this you know, kind of crazy headwind for a lot of different companies and, and this fertile ton of growth. And then again, as a result, we've also seen a lot of capital enter the market. And I, I think if you've talked to a bunch of other VCs, everyone will say this has sort of been the hottest market that we've seen in a long time as it relates to fintech and fintech infrastructure. And So that's been... Uh, another interesting kind of dynamic to navigate through.
0: Yeah. And have you seen that all the way through the investment cycle? Because obviously, as you say, there's there's large funds that have money to deploy for sort of Series A, Series B and beyond. But uh, have you seen that equally at the, the angel investing side? I, I would have thought with, you know, times being a little bit more tighter and a little bit more precarious for every individual, then actually, you know, it's those really, really early stage companies that might have struggled a little bit more than, you know, potentially a, you know, a a revolute who's got all of the momentum behind them and, you know, customer uh, traction, essentially.
1: I think it's a little bit of a a tale two worlds, which which is kind of weird to be in, right? I think that on on one side, we've had the most fintech access that I've seen a very long time, right? And I think that that means that, uh, there's sort of this feedback loop of you know successful founders and, and operators getting exits for the first time but then having excess capital to go and deploy and support the ecosystem. And so that sort of further enriches the the angel networking ecosystem. And then what I've also seen, I think, from the VC landscape is more and more of these larger funds uh, are moving into early stage investments, right? I, I think you're starting to see pressure in the, in the growth stage from the likes of what, Know, Tiger and a lot of these other kind of hedge funds are doing. I think the the rate of velocity and their approach has been pretty astonishing to see uh, as to how they sort of changed the game in gross age fintech. And I think we've also started to see that a lot of later stage VC funds, particularly here in the US, have been moving earlier stage uh, in order to be able to actually get in front of the founders. uh, Because by the time that that founder goes out and raises, their Series A or their Series B, uh, they've probably already been, been preempted uh, for, for that fundraising. And that playbook has become uh, increasingly common, uh, particularly in, I think, what I call like kind of hot verticals or areas that investors are excited about, which, which FinTech is definitely one of those.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? When you stand back from that model, there are not many organizations that really get to you know maturity as it were you know Mm -hmm. when i when i say maturity i'm I'm talking you know stripe and these types of organizations that get to real scale because as you say almost on the on the the road to maturity essentially they're bought by bigger companies and as you say that's great for the founders who exit but but really does it does it change the industry Uh, in some instances it can do but in some instances it's it's sort of consolidation around the the previous power structures, if 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 that makes sense. So, do you, do you think that, or almost how the model is set up? I, I think it incentivizes that type of behavior. But personally, I, I'd really like to see more big players get to that scale where they actually can become more more dominant at scale than than just acquisition opportunities for a, a large technology player down down the scale, if that makes sense. But yeah. again, it, it really depends on what people's objective is when they're starting a business, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. It's fascinating to see. I mean one of the things that uh obviously you I mean you you've seen a lot of deals, you've seen a lot of opportunities. What what You've sort of covered a little bit about the type of size of organization, but what would be your sort of ideal investment if somebody's listening to this or watching this and they're like, do you know what? I've got a great idea. I've got a great team. We've got some traction. What would they have to sort of look like? And I guess uh, at the end of this, it's going to be, what's your email address? Because I reckon a lot of people are going to want to get in touch with you. Excellent.
1: I, don't, I, I would say, honestly, obviously my, my criteria kind of changes and depends upon you know, what's the problem that, that they're solving for, right? And, and also, I, I I have kind of a framework that I actually got from, from Plaid when we were hiring. We have this framework at Plaid where I think if you're building, uh, if you want to build, you know, an incredible team, I think like the NBA analogy is a pretty good one, right? You're not going to go out and hire a bunch of, you know, generalists that are sort of good at a little bit of everything. You, you really want to hire people with you know, specific skill sets that are potentially kind of world-class and build complementary teams around that, right? And then, Every single kind of season. Also, those skill sets have to change and be refreshed, depending on what happens in the market, and depending on what, 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 kind of what you're trying to build and what you're trying to do. I think kind of very similarly when it comes to company building. Uh, I think different founders have different areas that they spike on, right? You could have a founders that are just amazing at, at selling a product and selling a vision. You could have products that are founders are just amazing at, at building world class products or being like amazing in engineering. I think there are different things that I look for in terms of like spikes around what the founders bring and, and what what the team is, is doing and how they're thinking about the problem set. And, and then I go in and think about, okay, are, are those spikes, you know, the one, the things that are important to the problems that, that they're they're attacking, right? Like if someone comes in and says, I'm going to build, you know, a new machine learning model that's going to solve all the fraud for the top five banks. You're going to bet the one thing I'm going to care about and push on is, okay, like, How are you going to sell into these banks? Do you know how to navigate through a large conversation, like a large bank conversation? Can you survive a a one to two-year sales cycle? Right. How do you sort of get to product market fit there? I'm not afraid of of a large enterprise cycles, but you better have the team that that can tackle that. And so I, I tend to kind of change my Criteria depending upon the market, but pretty open ears, I would say.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Many a great technology solution have died in a procurement process somewhere, haven't they? <laughs> and it's uh, it's uh, it is a it is an interesting challenge. Um, yeah. I, I guess we we always like to to ask the the sort of point around. You know what's the the advice you would give to your younger self? Because I mean, you've done a, a, a lot in a, a very short period of time, but but even still, I, I kind of feel there's always things that you would uh, you would want to sort of nudge yourself to accelerate that uh, that growth a, a little bit. So, what would be your advice to your your younger self? Yeah,
1: I would say optimize when, when it comes to making you know decisions, whether it relates to jobs or careers or really anything like optimize kind of being around best people possible. I, I think that. When I think about sort of roles and opportunities, particularly like early stage startups or just in general, right? It's 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 very hard to to make a to make a a a full conclusive decision around is this going to be a a, a really great company? Is it gonna be meaningful, you know, money-wise, et cetera? Right. Like all of that is kind of up to luck to a certain extent, and, and you can create some of that. But the one thing that you can optimize for, generally you can is the people that that you're surrounded with, that you're working with, that you live with. Um, and I've always found that when, I, when I've when i optimized for those decisions in terms of optimizing for like the managers that I work for, you know, uh, the roles uh, and the people who I'd be surrounded by, by um, that that tended to, to result in, in better outcomes versus kind of other things.
0: Yeah, I mean, this seems to be a real... Um consistency to people who are really successful in what they're doing which is that that feeling of of self awareness that drives that outcome because if you're just doing things, you're not taking in everything that's around you. And to your point, if you're if you're constantly trying to optimize for for the successes in that sense, then it leads to better outcomes for the businesses that you're working for, but ultimately for you as well, doesn't it? That's uh, some great advice there. I'm afraid we are running out of time though. Uh, and uh, Charlie, I don't think this is going to be the last time we're going to be talking to you uh, uh, about things. But before we sort of finish off, can you give us what's next for Alloy? Because you guys have got. Uh, pretty big plans and and obviously uh, you know the uh, onboarding journeys of uh, lots of organizations around the world uh, that's not uh, a problem that's solved yet is it so it's uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of roads still to be uh, to be traveled
1: yeah no we're, we're excited I think that you know, we historically kind of started off with this wedge around onboarding and, and, and you know, opening of accounts and streamlining that decision um, but our, our sort of vision in our thesis is that financial services uh, products are fooled with other decisions that are being made around the user, right? Whether I want to continue to allow this user to be on my platform, whether I want to offer them a new credit product or want to cross-sell another product uh, that I have within my suite. And so we want to be able to, to, to I think, one, integrate into more and more kind of diverse data sources and two, provide a decisioning platform for, for all types of decisions around financial services. So I think we're very excited for some things we'll be announcing over there over the next
0: uh, few months. Very cool, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. I look forward to hearing about it when it's uh, when it's good to go. All right, yeah. guys, thank you very much, Charlie, for for joining us. Really appreciate it. We'll definitely have you back to to talk about more of those things as we go. Where can people find a little bit more about you and and also I'm pretty sure pitch you ideas for for their startup. What's the best way of getting in touch?
1: Yeah, uh, shoot me an email. I'm Gmail.com or, or follow me, DM me on Twitter. I'm just Charlie
0: Ma on Twitter. Either of those work. Very good. All right, guys, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, Make sure you follow 11FS on LinkedIn so you never miss one of these episodes in the future. And if you do want to catch up with all the other episodes, head over to the 11FS YouTube channel where you can find all of the previous episodes and much, much more. All right, guys, have a great week. Goodbye.